hard-hitting questions coming out of yesterday. You know, I think one of them was uh, whether or not the horns down is going to be 15-yard penalty uh, in the SEC in the future. That it was very important to finish uh, and to collect the trophy and to win 10 games and win a game on New Year's Day and all those things. And uh, believe me, we had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. I said in my press conference back in December that I didn't feel like there was anything at South Carolina that we lacked to be a championship program, that we had everything that we needed. I am even more convinced of that now after being there for seven months. So there's a report in the Houston Chronicle that, that Texas and Oklahoma are inquiring about joining the SEC. <laughs> I bet they would. <laughs> War Eagle. It was good to say that. All right. <clears throat> I didn't even remember that 12 years ago, but now that you say that, because I believe there was something about someone didn't have Tebow first team all SEC. And as usual, I was accused of that. So <laughs> I brought my ballot to, to show everyone, to show Urban. Um, so. Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And flying solo for this episode, but I got a great guest lined up coming on the pod for a really good cause. It's a little bit of a unique interview. I think you guys will really appreciate that one we got tons of info from around the sec on this episode gonna be able to hit on every single team here in the sec to get you to your tuesday fix of sec football content but before we get to that of course gotta mention the sponsors prize picks head on over to prizepicks.com and don't forget to use that promo code sec if you use that promo code sec they'll double your initial deposit bonus up to a hundred bucks today over at prizepicks.com there's also a link to prize picks in the podcast notes so hey on with the show and before we get rolling here we'd like to start with something funny if we can and the best thing on monday mike leach talking about his dance moves after the epic comeback win on the road at auburn i hope you're watching on youtube you can see coach leach his reaction as well as his dance moves but uh, if you're just listening it's still great little clip here as well so let's kick it over to coach leach a bunch of our players love to dance and the music's going and all that and then they try to get me to do it and uh, i was afraid they might dump something over my head if i didn't uh, you know like water and worst of all gatorade so i figured you know i better comply which i did so i try i started out just trying to walk in place and that was clearly not satisfactory with and then we, uh, we, that wasn't the satisfactory with my captors. I tried to bring the knees a little higher, and then I got the hands up to try to finish the deal off. And uh, and I do think I outdid Elaine on Seinfeld, but you know, as, as soon as I thought I was safe to stop, I did and let uh, them have a great time. <laughs> All right. So hey, if you're not getting to actually watch this and you have not seen Coach Leach's dance moves, definitely. You know, search that out online. I mean, the guy dances about as well as I can. I mean, he's lift, lifting his arms in the air. He's 
taking a step here or there. I mean, he looks completely out of place. But uh, like he said there, that he had to do what his team demanded after that uh, epic performance on the road, on the plains. But how do you not love Coach Leach? I mean, he's given us quality comments here every week. And I, I just, I'm thankful, very thankful that uh, Coach Leach is now in the SEC, giving us this gold on a weekend and week out basis. I want to kick it over to our interview next. It's a shorter interview, but it's for a really good cause. Obviously, last weekend was Veterans Day, and you know you saw a lot of appreciation for that all over the internet, as you should. We've seen SEC teams across the board appreciating the military, wearing the camo gear. I love to see it, and I think a lot of us maybe are guilty of you know you say the right things, you want to you appreciate everything the military does, but Maybe you think about it on Memorial Day, Veterans Day, and that's about it. Our next guest, Will McNeely, went a step above and beyond and actually got a scholarship fund here at the University of Tennessee to help further an education. After the uh, recent uh, military deaths there in Afghanistan, our Will reached out to Tennessee to try to get... Uh, something going here just to honor the men and women of the armed forces and will reached out to me with this project that he's got going on now they've got an official scholarship at the university of tennessee i know he's a tennessee fan but really this is uh, you know all sec schools i think can relate to this and i think you'll really appreciate uh, this interview with uh, will mcneely uh, i won't keep you too long here just i really just want to ask you a couple questions and and what inspired you to do this and and why it's important to you. Yeah, so the reasons I started this was I'm the son of a Marine, and my grandparents, both my grandfathers, um, one was a tail gunner in World War II. The other was on the Manhattan Project um, in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. He was part of the Y-12 plant in Oak, in, uh, Oak Ridge, Tennessee. So that's really kind of the purpose behind it, or at least what you know started my initiation into this process. And when I saw that those 13 service members were killed in Afghanistan recently in the evacuation. I just really wanted to do something more actionable this time instead of just saying to a veteran or someone in their uniform, like, thank you for your service. I just really wanted to do something very actionable. So I prayed to God, you know, really hard, like, what was it that I could do um, just a little bit more this time to do something? And I knew that God would give me that answer when he was ready for that answer. Um, and I was on Twitter one day and I said, oh, this has to be it. Like, I got I think I found what I need to do. And um, I sent out that original tweet to Danny White because I heard he was like a man of the people mm -hmm. um, to say, you know, hey, how much money do I need to raise to permanently buy a seat in Elon Stadium for this uh, to honor Staff Sergeant Ryan Naus when I heard that uh, he was from the Knoxville area? Um, I put my phone down and I saw that like one account had connected me to Marcus Hilliard um, a couple hours later and I was driving to go get my son and I saw an 865 area code calling me and it was Marcus Hilliard himself and um, I was really excited to get his phone call. He was very appreciative of me sending that tweet. He thought it was a great idea to honor that young man and um, he connected me with Steve Hammer. Steve came down to Cartersville to have lunch with me after I met him at the pit game. And he, I could just tell like he was the guy um, to help me with this process. So that was kind of how things started and how the ball got rolling there. Yeah. And I just want to commend you once again, Will on 
you know, like I was saying just a moment ago here, Veterans Day, we just had it, and we're seeing, you know, I think we've seen it in the NFL. We've obviously seen it in the SEC for a number of uh, weeks here, just the support that uh, the, the coaches and the teams and the players are giving the military, which is outstanding. And a lot of us send the tweets, a lot of us, you know, post on Facebook, what have you, that uh, we support our veterans, but uh, you went a step above and now you've got this scholarship. I just think it's outstanding. So I wanted to to help get the word out. And you came to me with this. So again, this is you doing everything in your power to get the word out on this. So I cannot commend you enough. And uh, if you're just listening, it's GoFundMe.com slash F slash U-T-V-M-S-F. You can help Will get to his goal here. And, and if you're... Uh, watching on YouTube, that's on the screen right now, and, and a link to that GoFundMe will also be in the podcast description. So I just can't thank you enough, Will. And tell me a little, a little bit more, man, about your story. You're a Tennessee fan, I know that, and uh, a little bit that uh, got you inspired to get connected with Tennessee. How cool was it that Danny White, you know, you actually got hooked up with the Tennessee's new AD. <laughs> so I am um, the son of a Tennessee born and raised family Uh, my dad is from the entire east side of the state Um, like I said he grew up in Kingsport Tennessee Um, his dad like I said was in the Manhattan Project in Oak Ridge and Mm -hmm. then moved to Kingsport Tennessee he actually later became the CEO and president of Eastman Chemicals um, in in Kingsport so his dad took him to games my dad took me to games Um, you know I, I just grew up bleeding orange and white throughout my entire life um, so I, I actually never went to UT either, which is kind of weird, but I just grew up a huge fan and I support them, you know, as wholeheartedly as I can by going to games, by, you know, social media, um, and all those kinds of things, you know, with everything that Tennessee has been through the last, you know, 10, 15 years, you know, I, I get, you know, ragged on a lot, but <laughs> of course, um, you know, what, what I can say is, you know, our, our fan base is loyal, um, and, and, you know, we support one another and balls help balls. Um, so I was trying to take, you know, the, the motto of being a volunteer just to the next level um, in, in my creating the scholarship. Yeah, I was about to say, man, if you're still a vol after all the last couple of years, you you truly do bleed orange like you say. But, man, I cannot thank you enough for reaching out. And again, his Twitter handle, Will McNeely, that's uh, M-C-N-E-E-L-E-Y. You can... Uh, pinned to his profile there. He's got a link to the GoFundMe and the GoFundMe once again, GoFundMe.com slash F slash U-T-V-M-S-V. And I come from a military family too. My dad, proud uh, U.S. Navy. Cousin Jonathan co-owns the show, United States Air Force, grandfather in the Army. So uh, we just want to do our part, just like Will, to you know get the word out and help a veteran uh, because we can all go that little extra step, and, and we say we support the veterans, but it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to go a step above like Will has done here. So uh, I cannot thank you enough for for bringing this to my attention, Will, and I'm going to do everything I can to get the word out on it. I greatly appreciate it. And any any fan, really, that um, you know that, that has that deep tie to the military whatsoever, whether you're a Tennessee fan, a Florida, Alabama, you know, I think this is just a cause that everybody can really get behind because it will support the military. So if you can donate a dollar, $5, $10, it'd be greatly appreciated. Share it, um, you know, on your social media and Tennessee fans will get this joke. You know, if they can at least just text one buddy 
um, about the scholarship. That'd be great too. <laughs> All right, well, I, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time with us. And uh, like I said, we'll do what we can to get the word out. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, for doing this and going that extra step. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, so just want to say thanks again for Will for hopping on the line and for him, you know, going that extra step and not just saying he supports veterans, but he's actually doing something about it. And again, you can find a link to his GoFundMe and all that on his Twitter at Will McNeely. You can find a link to the GoFundMe on his Twitter page, which I've retweeted over there at SEC Mike. And there's also a link to that GoFundMe in the podcast show notes. So I really hope, uh, you know, if you're able to take advantage of that and go that little extra step like uh, Will did here right after uh, Veterans Day. But all right, on with the SEC action. And man, I know we're in week 12 and the slate's not great, but Week 13, Thanksgiving week here in the SEC is right around the corner. And the SEC has announced kickoff information and broadcast info for the final weekend of the regular season. And my goodness, do we have a lot of great games on the docket here the final weekend of the regular season. So here on the YouTube, we'll kick over to the actual schedule. And if you're just listening, uh, these games, November 25th, Thursday through November 27th, obviously, on the Saturday. And we've got the Egg Bowl, of course, on Thanksgiving, 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central on ESPN, nationally televised. This is going to be the game that decides number two in the SEC West. Who would have thought that heading into the season? Mike Leach, Will Rogers, Lane Kiffin, Matt Carell. What a showdown that's going to be. All right, then on Black Friday, November 26th, 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central on CBS. Missouri at Arkansas. Can the Razorbacks finally, finally snap that streak? They don't want to call it a rivalry. Well, they got to beat this damn Missouri team, particularly this season, given their struggles and Arkansas's rise. Must win here for Sam Pittman to cap a really successful year two there in Fayetteville. Uh, now to the action on Saturday. Man, we're just getting going. And, and hell, we just... Those are two great games to start the docket. But then we got Florida State at Florida. That's going to be at noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central. Kickoff on ESPN right after college game day. Lot on the line potentially for Dan Mullen in this one. Florida State at Florida. Cannot wait. Also at noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central. Georgia at Georgia Tech. Nationally televised on ABC not as much on the line for Kirby Smart and company. I mean, they'll probably beat Georgia Tech by about uh, 50, 55 points here, but nationally televised because uh, everybody wants to watch number one in the nation go at it. And then the uh, CBS game here for the final weekend, no surprise, the Iron Bowl, Alabama at Auburn, 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central. Again, nationally televised on CBS. My goodness, I'm not even done with the list here. And every one of these games is is a must-watch. Nick Saban, Brian Harson, round one. Get to see it here on CBS. Then we have Vanderbilt at Tennessee, 345 Eastern, 245 Central on the SEC Network. First time Clark Lee and Josh Heupel going at it. And there's you a chance. This is Vanderbilt's Super Bowl, make no mistake. Hell, we keep saying each and every week Vanderbilt's only shot to get an SEC win. This is literally their only shot here to get an SEC win. And Vanderbilt's won far more than any Tennessee fan is willing to admit here in the last several seasons. So who knows? Stranger things have happened. 
Then we go to the night games, Texas A&M at LSU, 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central, ESPN, nationally televised. Coach O, final game. You know, he's planning to coach the bowl game. They may have to win this one to get to a bowl, so there's no guarantee LSU even makes it to the postseason. Texas A&M at LSU, that's going to be a hell of a game. Then at 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central, Clemson at South Carolina on the SEC Network. Can Shane Beamer snap the streak against Dabo and them Tigers? We'll find out. That's the last game. Well, no, excuse me, one more game here. But there is uh, the, the kickoff time and the network to be determined, unfortunately. Kentucky at Louisville. The Governor's Cup, I think they call that game. But, hell, Mark Stoops in Kentucky owns Louisville, so this will just be another W on their record against their in-state opponent. But, my goodness, just look at that schedule. It's going to be one heck of a ride here in a little over a week's time. Holidays right around the corner. Thanksgiving, going to be eating good food, watching some good football. Cannot wait. All right, hey, and then next on the docket here, not team-specific, but the one of my favorite awards – each and every college football season, the Broyles Award given to the nation's top assistant coach. They have announced the semifinalists this season, and there's about 40 semifinalists. Not going to read off the entire list here, but I am going to read the SEC candidates for the Frank Broyles Award. And we've got Pete Golding, Alabama defensive coordinator. What's he doing on the list? I don't know. Cody Kennedy, Arkansas offensive line coach. Uh-oh, he's the only non-coordinator on the list here that's interesting Zach Arnett Mississippi State defensive coordinator that's a hell of an option right there Jeff Levy Ole Miss offensive coordinator certainly understand that and then here's this may be the surprise of the list coming in not for the job he's done but I mean just following his hire I don't think anybody would have had this Tim Banks Tennessee defensive coordinator he's done a hell of a job good to see that's recognized Mike Elko, Texas A&M defensive coordinator, have to have him on this list. I know the Aggies uh, had a disappointing performance last week, but, hell, he's still one of the best, maybe the second, third best defensive coordinator in the entire country right there in College Station. Now the guy that's probably going to win it, Dan Lanning, Georgia defensive coordinator, cannot knock that selection. I mean, Georgia, we all know, maybe the best defense college football has ever seen, leading that thing. So Dan Lanning getting some respect. And then how about this one? I, I love to see this. Clayton White, South Carolina defensive coordinator. Obviously, the season's not perfect here for the Gamecocks, but cannot put that on Clayton White and his defense. They have been playing lights out for much of the year. Now, that's the list of the SEC candidates, but I got a couple guys I feel like deserve to be on this list, and it starts with me, Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Munkin. And I'm not trying to go too Georgia heavy, but, hell, I think uh, he's done one hell of a job. I mean, Georgia's offense, I don't understand it. I guess it just goes back to that Clemson game, and they obviously they didn't have a great showing there against Clemson, but that doesn't mean they haven't had one hell of a season because they have. And we all know JT Daniels was injured in that game, didn't get much going. They didn't need it because the defense was just suffocating Clemson. Todd Munkin has been one of the best assistant coaches in college football this year. He deserves to be semifinalist, no doubt. And how about uh, Rodney Garner, Tennessee defensive line coach? Maybe it would be too much to have Tim Banks, the defensive coordinator, and the defensive line coach on this list, but 
He's been doing a hell of a job. And then one guy clearly probably would have had more momentum early in the season, doesn't have it at this point, but still I think deserves some recognition. Kentucky offensive coordinator Liam Cohen, who, you know, this offense was a disaster last couple of seasons. And if not for Lynn Bowden, I mean, they would have had 2019 would have been a disaster too. So, you know, credit Liam Cohen for turning this ship around. They're far from perfect in Kentucky, but it is not easy to rework an offense literally in one offseason. But that is what they've been able to do, thanks in large part to Liam Cohen coming in there from the NFL to college football. That is not as easy as a transition as some may think it is. So I would have liked to see Liam Cohen at least on this list. But all right, hey, we got some news around the SEC. Let's kick it on down to the Plains. War damn eagle. Where we kind of talked about this on the last episode, but it has now been confirmed. Bo Nix, broken ankle. Hard to see him playing out the rest of the season. And it's not just him because their kicker, Anders Carlson, also out torn ACL. Now Auburn goes into a game. They've got to win here at South Carolina. Still the favorite. It's been bet down to about six points. It opened at 10. Bet back down, I think, after, after Bo Nix's injury was announced. Means T.J. Finley is going to be your starting quarterback, you got to assume here, for the Auburn Tigers. And interestingly enough, I mean, that was T.J. Finley's best game last season, LSU against South Carolina. They whooped them. But I don't give much credit to that. I mean, this completely different team held. T.J. Finley was on LSU at the time. And South Carolina was under Will Muschamp. So I don't put much, if any, stock into that. But, you know, this is an interesting, interesting position here that uh, the Auburn Tigers find themselves into. Hitting adversity early this week, going on the road after two tough losses, one embarrassing loss. Brian Harson, man, I don't want to go full fine bomb collar here, but it feels like he this is a must win for Brian Harson because – even without your starting quarterback, even without your kicker, who's one of the best in the country, you got to assume Auburn is going to go into South Carolina and beat Shane Beamer's program. They're just so up and down and cannot do much of anything on the offensive side of the ball, starting a third stringer. You know, they're not going to feel sorry for you having to start your backup. Hell, they're already on their third quarterback here, who was in the FCS ranks in 2019, didn't get to play college football in 2020. So South Carolina is not going to feel bad for you. But, you know, how quickly things can turn here in the SEC. Brian Harson, Coach of the Year candidate in the SEC, they're going to be wanting to run him out of town if he loses this game. I, I mean, they're not going to. I'm, I'm trying to pump the brakes a little bit here. But all the goodwill that uh, he, Mike Bobo, Derek Mason have won over this season, they stand the opportunity to lose it all against South Carolina. Now, I think you could argue they turn right around and beat Alabama. They'll win it all back. But what are the realistic odds that Auburn can beat Alabama if they lose to South Carolina this week? I mean, I'd say slim to none. So that just, you know, this this is just a gotta, gotta, gotta win game here for Auburn and particularly Brian Harson. And now you're going into Willie B. Well, you know, last home game South Carolina had, that place was rocking. Could be another one of those Saturday night, one of the only SEC conference games we've got. And now that, you again, you're hitting that adversity, it ain't going to be easy. But uh, a little added pressure here. Brian Harson is going to find out real quick 
how hot that seat can get in the SEC if you start losing games you shouldn't. And I would imagine most majority of Auburn fans think you shouldn't have lost last week, particularly after being up 28-3. to Well, speaking of uh, coaching rumors and all this, let's kick it all down to College Station. Giga Maggies. Where the Aggies facing Prairie View A&M this week, probably not going to get a whole lot of Aggies talk on the show considering the opponent. But Jimbo gave us reason to talk about the Aggies. And once again, he was asked about the LSU job. This is the second time he's had to address the speculation. I've called it nothing but a smokescreen. And Jimbo says we can call him an idiot. I think he says the world's biggest idiot if he were to leave Texas A&M for LSU. Let's kick it over to Coach Fisher. Well, then I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, amid the persistent reports, are you at a point where you can – uh, guarantee that you're going to be staying at A&M for next let me, season let me and ask beyond. You this. Here's, here's the best. I, I've told everybody I'm staying here, and I've told everybody I plan on being the coach at A&M. All right. And everybody thinks all coaches lie. I know. I know y'all don't believe us, all right? That's why we don't trust y'all, okay? <laughs> so we're even, okay? Whatever we say, nothing's off the record, okay? You, it's off the record. No, it ain't off the record. You didn't say that, all right? <laughs> but I'm joking. But it, we're going to recruit maybe as good a class – Here's the best, because I said the other things. I plan on being, I love the AD, I love the president, I love the chancellor, I love living here, I love being in my ranch, I love the family loves it here, I love, I love Kyle Field, I love the people, which who, I love all that stuff, and that's obviously not good enough, and I get it. I'm not, and I'm not mad at you, oh, I'm sorry, seriously. <laughs> I, I, I read the reports and people come to me, I say, I don't want to hear, I'm not interested. We may, we may recruit, number one, we, we're, we're going to recruit an unbelievable class this year, okay? So I'm either the dumbest human being on God's earth, Okay? who's going to recruit all these guys to A&M so I can go across over here and go play against them, okay? If I, do, if I did that, you ought, to, you ought to say, that's the dumbest human being. I don't want him to be my coach, okay? Guys, we're going to recruit a heck of a class. We're going to have special things here. We're building special things. They're investing in the program. They're investing in everything we got. We're building a culture. We're not where we are, and that, and that was a disappointing thing about Saturday for me. That we didn't take a step in some of the things I thought we really should have, and it wasn't because I want to. It's kind of out, and I got to do a better job explaining to our players to get them to do it. But I want to be at AM. I plan on being at AM. I ain't going to know. I don't want to be nowhere else. I love being right here. Well, and here I thought uh, his answer was pretty definitive last time. It's funny because I've seen some people say, well, he didn't say no. I mean, my God. Uh, I mean, how can you? I don't know how you can get anything other than hell no from uh, Jimbo's response here. Now, I could look like a damn fool if they, LSU turns around and, and hires him, but no. He's got a better job. I really do think that for him. Again, not saying that every coach out there at a and is better than LSU, but I think it is for Jimbo. He's got maybe the best contract in all of college football history. No, Is LSU going to match it? I don't know. We'll see. It seems doubtful to me. He's got things rolling at A&M. You know, they've, they've been over backwards to make him happy there in College Station. And I know uh, that last week's results put a damper on the season. But, hell, things are still trending in the right direction. you got a five-star quarterback coming into the program this offseason, along with uh, five-star Walter Nolan's currently committed, as a, a, along with a bevy of the – got the number three recruiting class in the country. And if you listen to the whispers on the recruiting trail, outstanding chance Texas A&M closes strong with a bunch of key targets that may push – the Aggies to the number one overall 
recruiting class in the country. That's kind of what Jimbo was. He's getting so heated. He almost talked about recruiting there. <laughs> so, yeah, I just – I don't get this one. I think Jimbo is uh, going to be at Texas A&M for as long as they'll have him. I really do. Well, speaking of hot seat, <laughs> okay. I think I used that same transition for Jimbo, but let's kick it on down to Gainesville where them Florida Gators – in a dicey spot here, traveling to Missouri. Now Missouri's got some life playing for their postseason lives. So are the Florida Gators. Gators need another win either at Missouri or at home against Florida State to make it to a postseason. And, man, these reporters are not holding back at this point in time. Right off the bat, one of the first questions Dan Mullen got on Monday, are you coaching for your job? A little bit tougher question. Do you feel like you're coaching for your job at this point? You know what? I, this is my 13th year as a head coach in the SEC. Uh, you know, on three, I, I mean, 365 days a year for all 13 years, you're you're under a certain pressure to perform. And I, to me, I, it's, this week's no different than last week or the week before, or it's five years ago or 10 years ago. Uh, I, I think you're just always that way. That's you're always expected to perform in this league. Ask you though if you would think to the 2016 Mississippi State team. I've brought that one up, I think, one time. Yeah, that it's, was a. It's, was it's that a, the year that we went to the. We made a bowl game with a losing record. And, right? and you beat uh, Miami, Miami, Ohio by Ooh. one. Yeah. So, but it was. Locked field goal at the end. That was a. You know what was really good about that year? Tell me. We made a bowl game mm -hmm. by our APR. We made a bowl game over, I think we beat some pretty high-end academic schools because of the academic performance of our football team. So that was one thing that you take a like, you know, you can be positive, negative about stuff. But, um, but, but we but, did and won the bowl that, game. But that season, so that Scott, was Scott was with you okay. at the time. So does that give him a familiarity with what you're, how you're going to approach if, you know, Yeah, I, I would back, think. I think Scott, Scott and I have a great working relationship that way. Um, I don't want to speak for him under those terms or circumstances uh but he and i do have a great working relationship and understanding of uh, identifying issues problems and and what are the solutions to try to fix them um in in whatever it is that we're both working on together you know it's uh and i think we've always had that we're not it's not a very you know i do my thing you do your thing uh we've always worked really well together in looking at at the big picture of things or I think he hightailed it out of there after that season. Didn't he? Or was it the year, another year or two? Or? Year after. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned bowl eligibility with Mississippi State in, in 2016. Yeah. How critical would it be for this team to secure that this week and get those extra practices and knowing it's going to be more normal bowl season especially? Yeah. Well, much, much different than last year. Um, I don't know. I haven't checked our APR to see where we stand that way with it all. Uh, from that team before that made it, it was uh, it was pretty crazy. Um, but it would it, it'd be great, you know. I think for our guys to get extra practices in, get some work in, uh, you know, it'd be a heck of a deal, you know. Um, I more importantly, I think I mean our guys focus and try to get a win. I think they 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 enjoyed winning on Saturday. Um, they, I think they're excited to try to experience more of that. I like the fact that uh, he was asked about uh, his time at Mississippi State, and if you don't follow the Bulldogs that closely. The season he's referencing would have been not after their season they got number one, that was 2014, but
what Dak Prescott's senior season, 2015. So the next year, they had to start over at the quarterback position. It was Nick Fitzgerald that ultimately didn't win the job coming out of camp, but by the end of the season, he was their starter. I believe they started Damian Williams in the first game, and this was the infamous Dan Mullen shorts game. They lost to South Alabama, South Alabama, I believe it was, in the opener. Missed a kick. I think They either missed it or got it blocked as uh, time expired. But, yeah, it was a tough, tough season. Lost to BYU, if I recall. Uh, the defense was a train wreck. And this was, I believe Dan Mullen had, uh, he had a defensive coordinator I think he got from Southern Cal. Now he works for the Tennessee Titans. But, it was the next year, believe it or not. This will make people chuckle, but they hired Todd Grantham. And he turned Mississippi State right around. So that's when uh, <laughs> I started to gain respect for Todd, old Todd Grantham. And it's funny how things go full circle here because Todd Grantham maybe uh, saved Mississippi State there under Dan Mullen. Now he may have cost Dan Mullen his job at Florida. We'll find out. But it is an interesting parallel. But you know, more to the point of what the reporter was asking him, Scott Strickland, Dan Mullen, they've been in this position before. They've dug themselves out of it in the rugged SEC West. So there is precedence here for Dan Mullen to get Florida out of their hole. And, you know, by no means does, is it a foregone conclusion that Dan Mullen's going to get fired. If it was, I think they would have fired him already with the signing period coming up and Florida's class not really where they want it. I think they would have made a move if they had already made the decision to do that. I think they want to keep Dan Mullen, but he's got to beat Missouri, and he's especially got to beat Florida State, I think, to come back. I mean, he cannot lose. I don't know if he can lose either one, to be honest with you, but if he loses both of them, hard to see him coming back. But, again, he's been in a similar situation before, struggled, at Mississippi State, righted the ship. So maybe if you're a Gator fan clinging to hope, that'll give you some confidence. But one other thing that I wanted to reference from Dan Mullen's presser, you know, I've seen some people criticizing and all that for the dancing after the win over Sanford. I think even Shane referenced it on the last episode. I didn't realize what a big deal this was. But, and not that I really want to see my coach dancing after a win over Sanford. I get it. But at the same time, I don't think you can be too harsh on these players for, you know, they needed something positive. They they faced some adversity. They got it done. And I think Dan Mullen has the perfect answer when uh, asked about uh, his dancing in the locker room there. That brings me to my next question. There were some, I guess we can call them, takes out there after some videos came out of the team celebrating after the victory. Yeah. As a head coach, do you understand maybe the optics of why some people would have some a divided opinion about that, or you Absolutely. mentioned every game is big. Absolutely, is that not. alone worth celebrating? Is that a win worth? I mean, in your opinion, I, I, there's okay. I've never, won, I've never big, won a game that wasn't worth celebrating, and I've never celebrated a loss. I've never celebrated what, what you, you guys call moral victories. I've never celebrated a moral victory. I've never danced or celebrated or cheered a loss, but I will never not celebrate a victory and enjoy a victory. Okay, and I don't. Hey, I, I, I'll give you this one. If we win three to two this week, we'll be dancing in that locker room. Okay, we will be dancing in that locker room. And if we win seventy to fifty-two, we'll be dancing in that locker room and celebrating. Uh, I mean, it, 
it, we work way too hard. The players work way too hard. Uh, the game of football is something special. Uh, and I mean, I, I can maybe understand the people that aren't competitors or have never played football have under, would look at things possibly a certain way. But anybody that's ever played, is you're never not going to celebrate a victory. All right. Well said by Dan Mullen. I mean, I think of all the awkwardness and weird things he says, I think this he nailed this one. I mean, this is why you play, man. You, you, all you put into the game, I don't care if, you, if it's 70 to 52 over Sanford. You win, you enjoy it because – there's, a, there's been a lot of losing. There's been too much losing in Florida this year. So every opportunity they have to win, they should celebrate it. And uh, I got no problem with it. All right, last note. Let's jump all down to Baton Rouge. Go Tigers. Where Coach O, obviously his time's winding down. And, man, this guy has thrown caution to the wind. We saw it against Alabama. We saw it against Arkansas. They're playing. They're playing tough. They're losing, which – Obviously, you don't want to see, but, hey, they're playing to win down there in Baton Rouge, and that is not always the say, the case when you've got a lame duck coach. And I say that because Coach O is also – he just gives no dams anymore. I mean, he is basically throwing his offensive coordinator completely under the bus here, Jake Peets. Uh, I would imagine Coach O and, and Peets don't have a great relationship at this time. Coach O – was asked about his offensive coordinator and basically said, you know, I took Joe Brady's word and it kind of backfired. He wasn't ready for it. So, man, these are some some fire combats from Coach O. Hey, Coach, when you hire Jake Peets, he's obviously a bright guy, a lot of NFL experience. Um, would you, reflecting on it, maybe on a guy with more play-calling experience, or do you feel like he's been learning on the job at all? Or, yeah. or how do you look back on that? You know, the one thing I did was trust Joe Brady. That was – I wanted his offense. I wanted somebody who could run it. Uh, I knew that'd be a learning curve. It is a learning curve, but that's that's also uh, why I hired DJ. DJ's uh, he, he he's in charge of the third down. And look, those guys are new. There's a big learning curve. Uh, was it a mistake or not? I won't say it was a mistake, but uh, they need to do a better job, and they know that. I think the outstanding men. Every time I get to work at six o'clock, they're there. Look, I came Saturday morning, work out early. DJ's there. It's not like they're not working. I just think that uh, their experience level uh, may not have been what I needed for this job. Uh, Coach, you already talked about the team morale, but I want to circle back just on the offense specifically, two back-to-back weeks where uh, them making a play could have been the deciding factor mm-hmm. in a win. How are they feeling on offense, and what have they been saying? I think, I think they're pissed, to be honest with you. I don't blame them. Just, be, just tell the truth. And we got to take responsibility where we got to put them in a better position. That's the only way we keep this team together. I'll tell the truth. Now, if it was a play that you know, we should have made a play, it was right there, we could have beat a guy, we're wide open and we missed the ball, that, that did not happen. There was a lot of times where they need to be put in better situations. I don't mind saying that. I'm responsible for that. I'm not – somebody's going to write that I put somebody underneath the bus, whatever they call that. There ain't no bus over there where I live, okay? I'll just tell the truth, and that's the truth. We should have put them in better positions. So those that write that, Later. You can say that when you're a lame duck coach. <laughs> Ooh, man, and he says it perfectly, right? I mean, hey, I'm about to get fired. I got nothing to lose by saying this stuff. Oh, my. Ooh. But I cannot believe he came out here and said this. But, hey, maybe the biggest uh, – 
There have been many issues at LSU this season, but maybe the biggest indictment is the fact that Max Johnson has not really progressed, and that is on Pete's. And so maybe Coach O, yeah, maybe he's, his criticisms here are valid, and Coach O says they're going back to Max Johnson. Garrett Nussmeyer is advising him to sit the rest of the season so that he can keep his red shirt. Apparently, Garrett Nussmeyer does – he had that extra game to play in. That's what last game against Arkansas was all about. Didn't win Coach O over, so they're going back to Max Johnson. Let's kick it over to Coach O. Ed, good morning. Just, I guess, the obvious quarterback question. What's kind of the plan of that position moving forward, yeah. and how would you assess how those guys have played? Yeah, you know, I like Garrett. I think he's a good player. I like Max a good player. I don't feel like Garrett beat Max out. I don't think that uh, Max deserves to be benched. I gave him a chance to beat him out, although I think he was a very good player. That play he made to um, – the touchdown play he made was a phenomenal play. But he all, we also a minus three in the turnover ratio. Uh, we only scored seven points. So Max is still our starter. Um, it's going to be up to Garrett and his father if he, they want to redshirt or if they want to play in a, in a backup role. And perhaps, again, go in the game and if he plays better, keep him in. But – you know, if I were him, I'd redshirt. Uh, I, there's only two games left, but that's not my decision. And let me say this again. Some some guys wrote some stuff that I really didn't like. I mean, I'm giving them the option to redshirt or not, and that's what I do for everybody. Now, who plays in this football game, I'll decide that. Coach, over here on your right, um, walk, walk us through how, Ma how Max um, handled the benching. And Say it again? Walk us through how Max handled the benching. How do you think he handled it? Like, and like a champ. How, how do you think he'll like, like a champ. He didn't say a word like a champ. Hey, hey look, he ain't said a word. Yes, sir. Got it. Hey, that's it. And uh, the nothing else been said. All right, so I really appreciate the transparency, if nothing else. I mean, Coach O, again. He just, he's giving no dams at this point. Love to see it. Wish more coaches would be this transparent and tell it how it really is. But uh, he's got nothing to lose. So he's just, he's just letting it all out. And I'm here for it. All right. So that's all we got on this episode of the show. Cousin Shane will be back. We'll be previewing some of this matchups for the upcoming weekend. A number of SEC games to break down, so uh, catch us on the next episode. And as always, if you made it this far, if you wouldn't mind going that extra step, giving us a five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app. We really appreciate each and every one of those. But that's going to do it. Catch you on the next one. <laughs>